Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you again for an episode on 24. We are getting through season three quite well as we up to episode 15, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. It aired on February 24th, 2004. First aired on February 24th, 2004, I should say. Uh, Teleplay by Robert Cochran and Howard Gordon. Story by Michael Losef, directed by Kevin Hooks. And we finally get the episode where we get to meet the big bad, the man himself. Doug Savant. Paul Dugsimart from Desperate Housewives. Here he is, Mr. Felicity Huffman. Oh, and Paul Blackthorne, uh, a.k.a. Stephen Saunders. To me, the best villain in the history of 24. Uh, pumped, excited, and I am ready to talk about this. My name is Ben, and do you have any friends that drive a light-coloured Mercedes? Uh, my name's Colin, and I just want this day to end. There's really not a lot of quotes in this episode. Um, <laughs> How about, Dennis, my, can you take this, please? My other option was, what did Bill have to say? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Dennis. Like, I'm, I'm glad we finally get to meet Dennis. There he is, Dennis. Dennis is ready. Dennis Binder. Dennis is ready to create a menace. There he is, Dennis. <laughs> TV's Dennis. Let's get Dennis on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis from 24. <laughs> Love Dennis. Um, fuck Saunders. Dennis is here. Um, <laughs> get on board, Team Dennis. Um, this is a. It's it's not last week. Um, it's it's not the worst. Uh, but it's not the best. Uh, it's a solid middle episode of Twenty Four. Um, there's some stuff in it that's entertaining. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm thrilled that Saunders is finally here. I think Paul Blackthorn is amazing. I don't really think he starts to fully shine until next week. But, I mean, it's it's solid. It moves the story along. That's about all I can say for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I would say this is a stalling week, but it's not. It's basically, we got something good coming in the next week or two. Uh, so be patient. Here's a tease. This is a tease episode. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's nothing that's groundbreaking, but, uh, I mean, I'll already say it. I'm not binning it. Uh, I still don't think I've been to anything this season, so that's good. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to be very interested over the next couple of weeks to talk about Saunders because as I've said a couple of times, you know, I wasn't like the biggest Saunders fan when the season originally aired. Uh, but uh, I can see some things now where it's coming back to me what I didn't like about Saunders in the first place. And a lot of that no. has to do with when you're watching a show the first time, you know, the, the way something's presented, the expectations that are set up, whether somebody lives up to those expectations, but being able to do it on a rewatch where you don't necessarily have expectations or you know where it's going. 
those expectations aren't there. So yeah, I'm by this end end of the season, he might be the greatest villain in the history of 24. I don't know. We'll see. I just think maybe it's a Paul Blackthorn. I just think he's so engaging. Like I just think he's just, Mm. he he captivates the screen. And I think mainly next week we'll start to talk about how he sort of becomes the real first man in the chair, threatening the country type of person. I mean, I think we get a bit that next season with um, Imhotep. Uh, he does it a little mm. bit. Um, and then we obviously get that moving forward with like season six, seven, you know, the rest of it. But like, you know, we haven't really had a villain who's kind of holding the country for ransom, so to speak. Um, and I kind of think that just makes him really engaging and charismatic. And take away from like the Drazens or we didn't have a villain last season really, did we? Like we sort of did, but they sort of were, you know, the government, Alan Dale was the villain, but like it, mm. you know, it's, I think this is the first real almost Bondian villain that we will have uh, in 24, which obviously again, we'll talk about him. And I think mainly next week is when we start to really get that, but I don't know. There's just something about Paul Blackthorne that I just love. I just love how engaging this character is. And I think it's just a case of he is on top and almost wins this season until one stupid mistake, which we'll get to. Um, but, you know, whereas a lot of other villains in this show really never are on top for long and you think they are and they think they are, but there's always, you know, things to their plan. Whereas, I mean, I think Saunders is almost perfect until a couple of things really fuck over. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Stop it, Ben. Stop it, Ben. Shall we just get over the the important storyline, the Dennis storyline? <laughs> no, the <Yeah>. past. <laughs> Dennis walks in, takes a file, the end. What did you think of Dennis? <laughs> um, also, I realised last week um, we didn't really eulogise Nina. I don't know if we want to start this episode yeah. by eulogising Nina. I feel like we should. Um, I mean, we sort of did with Mason from memory, and I guess we did with Terry, and it's kind of what we like to do on this show when we are... I guess, recapping a TV show for major characters. And I feel Nina's a pretty major character. So just, I guess, maybe before we get into it, we see a body on the floor before I get into the Palmer drama. But, I mean, anything that we haven't already talked about, <laughs> Nina and Sarah Clark and anything along those lines that you do want to add? I, I think we both pretty much agreed that bringing her back in the season was maybe a little bit unnecessary or or maybe more so bringing her back last season and this season was unnecessary. You know, pick or choose one or the other. But... For what they did do with her, I mean, I I think that we got some of the best Nina stuff in this season. And I I still say, you know, of of supporting characters on the show, at least up until this point, we might uh, change my opinion on this uh, next season and the following season. But I think that she's arguably the best supporting character the show has had. I think that even before she was revealed as the villain in season two, I mean, she's still the closest thing we ever got to a female Jack Bauer, just having you know, that commanding appearance and the, the, the charisma and, uh, you know, just, just, just being likable while still being kind of uh, intimidating. And then when you turn the character on the head, I mean, it, it, it wasn't just let's throw a twist in here. I mean, I think it would have been very difficult to just pick anybody, pick Dennis and say, no, they're the mole and, and have it work. I mean, we've, we'll see a lot more moles in 24, but I don't think it's ever been done as well as Nina. And a part of that is the fact they gave her like the personal connections to Jack and Tony and everything. But so much of it is just Sarah Clark. And I've also mentioned uh, before one of my other favorite TV shows, uh, Covert Affairs, that she came onto a season of. And without spoiling too much, she played a very similar character to Nina. But I absolutely hated her. Like, I just wanted her to die on that show. And that was somebody who's a massive Nina fan. And again, that's just like the subtleties she can bring to a character where you could love her in 24 and then hate her in another show while she's doing it just as well both times. 
Um, I, I think the the best surprise for me has been in season three, just the way they built up the Hannibal Lecter and Nina. Like everybody talking about Nina is more effective than seeing her do anything dangerous. And that's where I think they go wrong with so many villains going forward is that it's always going to be about, you know, oh, we're going to see this person do something really evil and dastardly. But with Nina, you just needed people to talk about Hey, she's too she's too dangerous to be kept alive. Uh, and uh, don't send Richards in; he doesn't know her. All those things really work well. So, I mean, season three, Nina, I'm a lot happier with it now on this rewatch than I was the first time around. Just quickly, for the overabundance of moles I have in CTU, we haven't really had a mole at CTU now since season one, have we? Because there wasn't a mole last season, and uh, Gael wasn't really a mole. So, yeah, I mean, I would fit Gael in there, you know, even though it, it turns out differently because it's still playing into that type. Yeah. Well, I also love the fact that I've just found an Esquire.com article, the 24 most ridiculous plot twists on 24. Number one, Nina Myers is a mole. Fuck off, Esquire. What? Uh, <laughs> the twist that made the show literally says season one's drama was powered by the central mystery of a mole in the government keeping the terrorists one step ahead of jack by leaking valuable intel and though audiences were led to believe data analyst jamie was a perp the penultimate episode revealed jack's one-time lover closest confidant and morally stable ally nina myers was one working with serbians throwing a huge spanner in the works ahead of a tense finale so so why is that a bad hang on you've got the most ridiculous plot twist are you saying this is a, a good or a bat. Ahead of 24, live another day, we look back at Jack Bauer's silliest moments. Okay. So, number one, Nina Myers is a mole. Number two, Alan York is an imposter. Number three, Nina kills Jack's wife. N- these are the silliest? These and, are like they're the best. Yeah. I think they're in order. Season two. <laughs> I'm assuming they're in order. So, season two, they've got CTU gets bombed. George Mason is a hero. Marie <laughs> Warner is a terrorist. Again, all of these are epic. Palmer's deadly <laughs> handshake. Gael Ortega is actually a mole. Uh, Sherry Palmer kills Alan Milliken. I guess I'm probably going to... Yeah, I'll stop here because from here on in, we haven't gotten to these ones yet. Lit- okay. They're just going this- through every twist in the history of 24. The literally says, most ridiculous plot twist. We look back at Jack Bauer's silliest moment. Now, the next one, again, which I'm not going to spoil because it's in about four episodes time. It, it's probably hand, it is hands down the number one moment of this season. Might be the number one moment of all of 24. And they've got it on this list as one of the silliest. Like, fuck you, Esquire. Who reads you anyway? <laughs> Um, anyway, ben my does, thing, but, but he's reading it with anger. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I'm canceling my subscription. Um, yeah, I, I think Nina, like I agree with everything you say. I just think they, they let it slip. They had the opportunity to make Nina the best villain in this show's history. And I think where they failed with that, as, as I've said a few times, make her the big bad of last season or hold off on her for a couple of seasons then make her like she needed to be the big bad of a season. She needed to be Saunders this season or something like that. And that's where Jack gets the revenge. And that's what I said last week about how I feel maybe it feels a bit flat. Like he doesn't, it's not as an epic moment as it should be. It is, but it's not. And I think that like, you know, it is one of the greatest twists ever is the reveal of her as the mole at the end. You know, we already had the red herring of her. Oh, she's mole. No, she's not really. Okay, well, we don't have to worry about her. We talked about that in season one. But I just, I feel that, like, they had it. They they got it ready to go. They had executed every single move, but they just fucked up the landing. And I think that is, to me, the missed opportunity they had with Nina. And, yeah, I think she had some great moments in season two and season three. But as I've said, I feel like they just bring her in too soon. Now she's dead. That's it. Bye-bye, Nina. I just feel... 
again, I've never watched The Mentalist, but from what I know of The Mentalist, like there was a whole five, six season arc about uh, what's his face, Simon Baker, trying to get the killers of his family. And like, that was a big thing drawn out until he finally got them. Like, that's what 24 could have had here. But I don't know. They failed that. That's where it could have been better. But to not to take away from Nina, I think everything you said is true. She's a great character. I'm glad you said she's the closest we'll get to a female Jack Bauer when we get to Renee in a few seasons because I think you're a fan of hers. I'm not, so that's going to be fun. Uh, but, yeah, I love Sarah Clark to bits. I think I've only ever seen her in 13. I think we talked about this. Um, but... Yeah, and I don't think she was in the Twilight movie I saw, but uh, love it a bit. <laughs> Glad that she's still with Xander Berkeley too. That makes me happy. And if you were to rank the top 10 characters in the history of 24, she's probably going to be in my top 10. I don't want to draw this out any longer. We have an episode to get to, obviously, without Nina. But she's we're eulogizing her because she is confirmed dead. I think that's another important thing is that you can't sure. just kill Nina because we're going to see, especially in future seasons, you know, Oh, this person, they're not actually dead. Well, now you can backtrack and you didn't hear a silent clock and you didn't see this. Uh, but with Nina, like you, you kind of need that closure of, yes, she is definitely dead. Uh, but and uh, she is. Uh, well, this isn't Star Wars, yeah, people. We can exactly. guarantee you Sarah Clark is never appearing in this show. Nina ever. Myers not is even, back. Somehow. Not even a flashback. <laughs> so that's, but, this uh, is it. She's off to Twilight now, literally. <laughs> But but uh, well 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 I do think it would be interesting to go the route you say about her, making her the main villain. I think one of the reasons I love Nina is the same reason I love Sherry, and that's that she's representing a character who's only out for her own best interests. And I think that's what would ever hold her back from being a, a main villain on Twenty Four. Same reason that I think you could never go any further with Sherry. I mean, they're they're looking out for number one. And that's what Nina's character ended on. You know, I'm going to look for how I'm going to get out of this. And then I'll figure out how I'm going to make some more money and how I'm going to cause some more damage without actually being the main target of anybody, without doing anything too drastic. True. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think, you know, as we've said lots of times, you know, I think one thing this show does do well to keep itself fresh is that notion that they tried like the first three seasons is like one story. Then from seasons mm -hmm. four through to season six is another story. And then seven and eight just kind of exist in their own world. So that's, that's where I would agree with that. I think that, you know, you don't draw it out to the point where really Nina and to an extent, Sherry, we're obviously not there yet, but like they probably don't fit in a post season three, 24 world. You know, I, I can't imagine Nina existing in a world with Audrey and Edgar, mm -hmm. you know, and, and people like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that side of things. Uh, but I'll get to Nina's body soon because I think Palmer drama is quick and easy this ep this week. Um, Wayne's on the phone to um, uh, uh, why have I gone blank on a name? Gina Torres. Um, we'll just call that. Um <laughs> And Why am I going blank on her name? <laughs> Julia. Julia. Uh, Julia, yes. Uh, <laughs> Gina Torres. That's, she's more famous as Gina Torres than Julia from 24. Um, and, you know, it's all like, oh, what do I do? The the police are here. They're questioning, what's her name? Betsy or whatever the, <laughs> the maid is. <laughs> it's all like, oh, you know, what, 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 what do I do? What do I do? It's like, oh, you know wait till your lawyer gets there. And it's like, oh, but, you know, I've got to tell the truth and everything. It's like, no, you just, you know, stick to this story. And I love when he walks around the corner. There's David. And Wayne's just like, yes, Bill, I agree. We should do that. Um, no, that's okay. You have a nice night. And David's like, who's that? 
what does Bill have to say? Oh, he just found out about Alan. And then I love how it's like, oh, word travels fast. And it's like, yes, you found out from the cops like five minutes after they died. So <laughs> after he died. So, you know, it's um, it's pretty simple how that works there, as you, as you know. Um, Wayne and Sherry have a great conversation here. I mean, and we talked about this the other week when they had a confrontation, how good D.B. Woodside and Penny Johnson Gerald are. And I love here, you know, obviously Wayne calling out Sherry, like, I know what you did. I know that you withheld the pills. Damn you to hell. Uh, and I love, what does Sherry say here? The, the line was like, complex problems sometimes have the simplest salute. Like, oh, such a Sherry line. <laughs> yeah. It's so goddamn good. Um, and I, I love how it's kind of like, um, you know, we don't have a problem here unless Julia opens her mouth. Like, what is Julia going to do? Oh, she's not going to talk. Good. Then we're, you know, we're all going to be okay here as long as David doesn't find out. So it's all like, ooh, okay. And then we get Julia meeting up here with uh, a detective. Now, Tony Todd. This de- 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 detective Tony Todd? Is that what you're saying? No, the actor Tony Todd. He's quite famous. Well, I was going to say... Uh, I recognised him. Uh, now, do you want to know what I recognise him from? Because I want to see if you know who this, like, I'm sure he's outside of 24, but, like, <laughs> just play along with me here. Do, t- tell me how you know Tony Todd. Uh, well, personally. I was going to say most people will say this is the guy from the Candyman movies or the Final Destination movies. Um, I recognise him from one of my favourite episodes of Smallville where he had a guy with very erratic jitters uh, and took a bunch of kids hostage, but uh, I'm getting guess that's not what you recognize from. You're gonna say Desperate Housewives, my guess. I, I wish I recognize Tony Todd from 24. Now, before you laugh, oh, at me, that's go, right. Uh, yeah, I, ben, I was what are gonna you say watching? we're gonna get there. Yeah, I recognize Tony Todd from one of the main villains in Redemption <laughs> and season seven of 24 because they've done a third watch on us. They've got an actor who's been in this show before and then brought them back and recast them as somebody different and pretend we don't recognize them. Um, yeah. So I'm like, I'm watching this the whole time going, I know this guy. I, who is this guy? I looked it up. I'm like, wait, he's the bad guy from like <laughs> season seven. Um, so yeah, they, they cast this guy again. Uh, so yeah. And basically anything else, I don't think I know him from, so I don't know if he was in Desperate Housewives, but he's not, he's a, he's a good actor, Tony Todd. Like he's a very good detective here. So he's a very good detective. He got to the bottom of it very quickly. (laughs) I I like, I like little jokes about lawyers. Like, oh, you know, lawyers. Yes. Unfortunately I do. (laughs) Lawyer jokes. Um, but like, this is where. There's going to be more of a plot hole next week, but like, there's so many plot holes in this storyline when it comes to Julia and that getting away with it. Because I love how he sits here and he goes, "All oh, right, so you uh, you said you woke up and found him dead. Yes, yes, that's right. Oh, so uh, spoke to Betsy, the housemaid, and um, <laughs> she said she heard a car and looked out the window. It's a light-coloured car. Might have been a Mercedes. Oh, I don't know anything about that. I was asleep. No, no, no. Okay, okay, fair enough. Uh, so uh, there are cameras. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Oh. Cameras just happen to be off. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh, Betsy's in control of them. Oh, well, Betsy it's says Betsy's that she's... job to arm. Maybe she killed him. Well, no, she swears that she didn't see it. Well, that's not my fault. It's Betsy's fault. <laughs> to which she then basically within two seconds is like, bitch, please, your story's got so many holes in it. Tell the freaking truth. Because, like, this guy's so good at the fact that literally Julie's like, I'm not going to talk to you without my lawyer. And then old uh, Charmy McCharmface here is like, well, 
employers, they suck. So what did you do tonight? <laughs> oh, well, I was just like, damn it, how did you get that out of me? Um, so I do love the fact that, like, this guy breaks out of her. Also just saying this, Julia, kind of a narc. Like, come on, Julia. Yeah. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> come on now. Um, and then obviously this is uh, later on going to lead to a uh, phone call uh, with Sherry and the detective, which can I just say, Penny Johnson, Gerald, how good is she? She is literally standing in a room on a phone, like not in a room with anyone else except for like obviously the camera people and everything. But like I love it when, you know, this detective is all like, oh, so as you know, Alan Milliken is dead. And she like grabs it, she's like, oh, my God, that's terrible. <laughs> like she's acting like this is in the room with her at the same time. Um, and then I love how she's like, oh, I've just been with David for the last five hours. You mean the president? Yes. And if I was to call the president, he would collaborate this. Of course he would. I am not a liar. I'm Sherry Palmer, the most trusted and beloved first lady nearly in all of the United States. And I do love the detective guys. Just like, I will be in contact. He's gone. Yes. I get to speak to the president. He's my hero. Like... (laughs) It's just like the police can just call the president up. Like, <laughs> well, he could be wanted for murder. So, you know, you never know. Um, meanwhile, Palmer's like having like, I've got to say, Palmer is not doing anything. This is David not doing anything. He gets handed uh, a thing of, you know, notes about this virus, which, again, no one's panicking about just yet. So why isn't he asleep? Like, yeah. I mean, he, he just he, there's literally no reason for him to be awake. Since, you know, he got dumped by Wendy Crewson and the debate's gone with. Sherry's in the other room. She's having a nap. So, like, it just, I love who's sitting at his desk. He's like, oh, oh, huggy bear. Oh, I'm all like, <laughs> oh, what? Oh, here are the notes. And, like, why are they always, like, here are the updated virus numbers? Oh, we found that three extra people might die down at Santa Monica Pier, sir. Gosh damn it, not the hot dog vendor. That's my beloved hot dogs. Um, Cool little speech, little moment here between Wayne and David. Just uh, talking about uh, having, you know, Wayne's hiding things, obviously, from old Huggy Bear here. And then um, Wayne gets a call from Tony, which, again, intersecting storylines. But why does Tony call Wayne's personal cell? Like, surely this has to be like government channels, like a government agency yeah. is calling the president to inform. Like, I'm sure if the FBI are calling up Joe Biden, they've not just got Joe Biden's, you know, chief of staff on personal cell. Hey, Jenny, hey, you're good. You put me on old Grandpa Joe. Oh, we got COVID <laughs> Where, again. Lol. Where's Joe Biden on WhatsApp? I can't yeah. find him. <laughs> I'll snap him. You're awake, Joe. <laughs> Also, can I just point out that uh, I love how the news at the moment is breaking news. Joe Biden tests negative to COVID. Like, the guy got COVID <laughs> so much that the news is when he gets negative. Um, so, anyway, that's intersecting storylines. Um, and I think that's it for the Palmer drama. It yeah. is. So, I mean, it, there's more of this next week. Uh, a few holes in it. But, like... You know, old narky Julia here, but, um, you know, get some good sherry moments and uh, Palmer's concerned about Bill. Uh, With uh, the Julia thing, it's so funny you say that because the way that this plays out to me is basically, Wayne, do not say anything to anybody. Okay, Wayne, next thing you know. So Julia told us that Sherry killed him. (laughs) There's not even a pause and we don't see her interrogation or anything. Like, I, I just love the image of, Tony Todd goes in there and he questions her. It's like, so um, uh, let me just get this straight. Alan died. You were in the other room. You knew nothing about it, right? Yes. Okay. I'm going to put that in report. All right. Sherry did it. <laughs> she held the pills. Leave me alone. I can't handle it. 
uh, but but yeah, with the the Wayne and Sherry, like this is one of the things that I don't remember being uh, as good as it was in season three. I'm going to argue that Wayne, I would rather at this point Wayne and Sherry have a scene together than David and mm. Sherry, and that's no knock against you know, Dennis Haysbert and Penny Johnson, Gerald's just this fresh chemistry that we've had, you know, it started with them kind of joking around. So still committing treason, Sherry. Oh yeah. Still sleeping with uh, uh, rich men's wives. Sure. But, but even just like the back and forth they have here. And it's funny because uh, Sherry has the exact same line. I don't think we pointed out in previous episodes, but this is probably the third time this season where somebody has questioned her. And she said, you asked me to come in and do a job. You know who I am. <laughs> yeah. Her argument is always, I'm Sherry Palmer. Yeah. Like, of course somebody was going to die. <laughs> yeah. She's not even hiding the fact of who she is. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's just always her argument. Uh, with Tony Todd, it's interesting because uh, I didn't remember being this season at all. When, when I did see him, I'm like, oh, is he in more episodes than this? And that's when I Googled him like, oh, wait, yeah, that's right. He played the general or whatever, the the what do you call it, military coup guy in uh, season yeah. six. Uh, but, uh, but he was still like a fairly big deal. I mean, he was, he's not like, this isn't like Lou diamond Phillips, you know, where oh, everybody's no, going to Dennis Hopper or something from season one. But uh, this is a recognizable guy. I've never seen the Candyman movies, but I know that that's what he kind of became famous on and um, final destination. I mean, he's in all of those movies. I think he's the only actor who's in all those movies. Uh, and I'll actually, if I have like one horror franchise, that's like my guilty pleasure. Like I love the final destination movies, even though most of them are garbage. Uh, so I, I knew him from that. Uh, but, uh, the first couple final destination movies are at least out at this point. So this is a recognizable actor who didn't need to do TV. So I was kind of curious. I'm like, why does he come in for just such a small role here? And I did a little bit of reading and he, um, he was basically, they called it in as a favor. Apparently this role, they couldn't figure out how to cast it. They didn't know what direction wanted to go in. They didn't know, they couldn't find an actor who necessarily could get all the information on Penny Johnson, Gerald, whatever it, it was they were looking for. So somebody knew him and they just called and said, Hey, would you like to do a quick guest spot on 24? And he's like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm not doing anything else. So he, he basically came in here as a favor. And I think it works. And this is actually one of the things that uh, we've pointed out several times in season three is their ability to have random characters and have just the right actor in these random character roles where they're memorable. And, and it's, it's a complete opposite from what we had in season two In season two, one of our biggest complaints was let's introduce another random character like Armis or whoever else. And they just have no impact at all. And, and you're like, why, why do you, there, there are a lot of Dennis's in season two, in other words, you know, uh, and this season, we had Dr. Sonny, we had Dr. Nicole, we have uh, Detective whatever here. Um, like, these characters are just going to come in as one-offs, but yet they feel like they're important for some reason. Hmm. They've done a good job with those. And, and yeah, I love the interrogation. <laughs> some, of the, some of the best stuff is, is Sherry. And this is something that's going to pay off in the upcoming episodes. Uh, but it's done so subtly here. You know, us knowing where the show is going, we're looking for, oh, so how does she plant the seeds here? How is she going to throw David under the bus? But the way that she does it, it's actually quite funny. Where it's like, so um, tell me, where were you? It's, well, I was here doing some work for my ex-husband, David Palmer, current president of the United States, <laughs> David Palmer, who's my because husband. Black president. Yeah, he's and black, you're black. You know, I'm black. So that's <laughs> his main something. Of the United States. 
commander in chief david palmer (laughs) she's just really hammering it in here but like that's it's not done so obviously here where i think if you're watching this the first time you're gonna be like "Ooh, she's setting this up to throw david on a bus but that's totally what she's doing and that is what sherry's game plan is going to be at least in the next couple episodes is hey if i'm going down you're going down with me like you asked me to do this and really she has a point with that so um she has a great point like she really yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah like has she done something illegal yes was she asked to do something illegal maybe not the thing that's gonna get her in the most trouble here maybe still, she wasn't specifically look, asked to kill somebody but he's going down even if he is it's it's the whole thing with watergate did richard nixon hmm. specifically ask people to break into a hotel and steal things no but he said do what you have to do to make Trump sure that I win this election. January 6th. Like, you know. Yeah, like exactly. He, yeah. He didn't yeah. release a press statement going, I want people to raid the Capitol building. He was just like, yeah. oh, you know, that whole vote thing, if that was to just happen to stop, well, that yeah, exactly. wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, so, worst president, but best first lady, Sherry Palmer. <laughs> well, I'm just like, and again, jumping here to next week, but like, I mean, Palmer straight away next week, oh, this is murder. It's not murder. Um, and, like, I still got to say here, maybe I'm just so one-eyed Sherry fan that I'm defending her here, but, like, him swallowing a pill doesn't necessarily mean he's still not going to have a heart attack. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Like, what if he swallowed the pill and he choked on it and he yeah. died? <laughs> what if What if the pill just didn't work? What if he needed four pills and he was down to his last two? I'm sorry. I'm not a lawyer, but I know Sol Goodman could get this out of court in yeah. five seconds. <laughs> like, I mean, like... <laughs> Seen enough legal shows to know that somebody could easily acquit Cherry Palmer of this shit. Like, I mean, it's like, well, how do you know that he would have survived had he swallowed a pill? Was this pill keeping him alive? So if he had woken up in the middle of the night and saw a spider, he was like, ah, spider! And then he, like, fell to the ground. and was like, oh, my pills, my pills. Oh, no, they're in the other room, dead. Like, I mean, was his heart that fragile that he needed a pill? And, like, when you swallow a pill, does it instantly stop your, like, like it's got to digest yeah, it- in your body. It instant, takes some time. Unless it's Jack Bauer and his anti-heroin pill. I mean, that shit works miracles. <laughs> but anyway, just defending Sherry, not murder, right? That's next week. Um, I guess we can sort of get uh, the other sort of short one here is meeting Saunders because, I mean, I guess sort of the villains here kind of have their own little bit before they separate. So um, I always forget that Saunders basically is like right at the beginning of this episode and we never hear his name. Until, like, we don't even know his name, I think, next week. Like, it's it's on the screen yeah. in the previously on. But even Jack at the end of next week doesn't know who he's talking to at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's kind of cool how this guy's mystery is still there. But uh, so we're in this uh, club area. Which, again, like, plot hole that I pointed out last week when they were like, Nina Myers is the only one who can get it to us. They literally in two seconds get rid of that plot in this whole episode. <laughs> Nina is dead. She was the only person to get us towards him. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> so and here we go, like, straight away. So we've got we've got the gang. We've got Amador and Alvis chilling at a club, you know, having a couple of drinks, you know, sharing war stories. And who walks in? It's Paul Blackthorn. Arrows, Paul Blackthorn. ERs, Paul Blackthorn. I've never watched Arrow, uh, but I do vaguely remember him in ER. Uh, and he was in Dumb and Dumber 2. I remember he was a random doctor in that. <laughs> Wasted. Wasted in Dumb and Dumber 2. But um, here he is. He shows up. Uh, do you know him from anything? Did you watch Arrow? Oh, yeah. I'm a massive Arrow fan. Uh, and it's funny because he's, he's a major character on Arrow, and I loved him on Arrow. But it took probably until well into the second season before I bothered to click on Wikipedia and be like, 
oh, that's right. He was Steven Saunders. I mean, he, he, he looks and carries himself so differently in arrow. He's very blue collar. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's one of the best things on arrow. And I think he lasted all, almost all the way up until the end of the show. He's just one of these actors that I just, it baffles me that he's never been a bigger thing. Like, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. like we always talk about these actors and you know, shows and they're like, why aren't they a bigger thing? I mean, it could be the actor's choice. They could have potential to be a bigger thing, but they just don't want to. They're happy playing bit parts on TV shows. Like some people are happy doing that, but yeah. I just, he's just got a charisma and just something about him that just to me works so well uh, in everything that I've ever seen him. in. And like the thing that I like about his introduction is that, I mean, think about the Drazens in season one, the big bads of that season. They sort of get introduced sporadically and we know who they are before we realise, oh, no, Victor's still alive. So it's kind of like a gradual introduction to them. And then last season when we don't really have a big bad, just, just so, you know, like Marie and all that kind of stuff, we, we meet them before we find them. This is the first time we really get a villain who just... We don't know who this guy is and we don't know that he's the big villain. We think Amador's the big bad of this season at this point, but... He just walks in and it's like, cool, he's the big bad of this season. And at this point, we kind of just think he's just some random tech guy because he's got this release thing, which he's showing off, like press here, press here, it releases the virus, kind of has a bit of a a go here at Amador, like, so what the fuck were you doing down in Mexico, you idiot? Um, You know, now you're going to have Jack Bauer on my back, uh, which again, solid point. Um, And then we sort of get this plot that they're going to go to a hotel and they're going to release the virus in the Chandler Plaza Hotel as, uh, I guess, a test. Uh, we don't know there's going to be 11 vials. We'll find that out next week that are going to go around there. But um, I kind of like how uh, Amador goes from sort of being this menacing villain to obviously a bit of a wimp when it comes to this guy, uh, you know, because obviously he's a bit scared of Saunders. Um, and I do, like, it doesn't really make sense, though, when uh, Saunders is like, Yes, you are going to do this for me, and and here's ten million dollars. We agreed to twenty. It's like you'll get the other half as agreed. Didn't this guy just make two hundred and fifty million dollars yeah, exactly. in fucking Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> what a greedy little bitch! Like that's, that's like Colin. I'm going to give you fifty dollars. All right, and if you go get me a carton of milk, I'll give you an extra five. You agreed to ten. <laughs> yeah, you will get it when you bring the milk back. Um, like why do you care? Um, so Saunders goes off and we've also obviously got Alvis here. Who's the one who's going to go off to the hotel. Uh, but, uh, we're going to see Amador's going to get kidnapped here. Uh, well not kidnapped, I guess captured is the word I'm looking here, which I'll just say like, again, love Saunders. But the thing that I like about his presence is that he automatically enters a room and automatically this guy who we think is a bit bad kind of cowers. It's kind of like how we got, um, with uh, Gaines in season one. You know, we think he's the big bad. And then all of a sudden when he's on the phone to like the Drazens or when uh, Andre visits him, uh, it's kind of like he's sort of not really cowers, but then you see there's like a hierarchy. So I like it how you get introduced to a character who's got like almost a menacing presence. They're bad, they're evil, but then they become just like a whimpering sort of person when there's somebody bigger above them. Next season is going to be completely different because we get the villain basically straight away and sticks through the whole season. It's a, it's a different one next season. But, like, I like this, this gradual introduction. And, yeah, I, I like this little trio. It's only really in a few minutes of this episode of Alva's, uh, Amador and Saunders, but uh, the beloved trio. Uh, but, obviously, Saunders is the big bad here, even though we don't really know it just yet. Yeah, I think the fact that we don't know it is what works. And uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this: the Alvar's character, the way that they introduce him, it's almost like it, if you in I don't know two thousand three, two thousand four, you're not necessarily thinking this because you're not so used to the formula twenty four. But you look back 
now and you're like, well, they introduced Alvarez as if he was supposed to be the third act villain. And then you find out he's nothing more than a henchman. And I think that the way the Saunders comes in here is one of the things I like because you don't suspect him the, the way you would. I mean, it, you're not at this point thinking it's still Alvarez, but you've had the last couple of weeks, everything's about Alvarez, Alvarez, Alvarez. And then just random guy walks in and it's Saunders and he doesn't have, he doesn't immediately have that presence. We're going to have later on where he is commanding. Um, obviously we're going to get a lot of things with his character, you know, the, the importance of his character and ties to Jack and stuff oh, like that. So good. But, but yet they don't, even give that away here there's no suspicion of it until like a random comment later in the episode uh so uh, yeah re-watching this i'm completely on board with you i think that the way they introduce saunders is it works because you don't see him as anything else than just hey this is just some other guy uh with amador though like this really the whole mexico subplot really doesn't work here i mean i i know i mentioned this uh back uh when they were still in mexico like this was all just to make a little bit of extra money, but like the lengths that Amador went to mm. where he basically was putting his own life at risk and this entire operation to make this extra money. Like I get, you want to make extra money, but like Amador didn't need to be there. Like logically it makes no sense that Amador himself went to Mexico. Uh, now that we see this. So yeah, I, I like that Saunders has that. Well, you get 10 million. <laughs> this is because you did a bad thing. You went to Mexico. That's basically the reasoning for it. Uh, uh amador yeah he's he's a very confusing character now that we're getting closer to his story ending here it's confusing why his character was here i mean his character was here obviously just as a decoy to have you not suspect that there was gonna be somebody else they wanted you to think this is going to be the main villain of the season but in a way it kind of as much as i love what this character does what amador's character does for building up saunders it makes me just a little bit more frustrated with Amador's character. It's like, why does he need to be here? Like, logically, just none of it makes sense. Yeah. And, like, I agree. I think, you know, I complained about Little Bitch Blonde Kid about how it's pointless and goes anywhere. And, like, I'm being a hypocrite by then enjoying a lot of the Mexico stuff because, realistically, all of that Mexico stuff goes nowhere. Uh, it's It serves a first-half entertainment and that's it. But, I mean, again, I guess if we're being that nitpicky, every season of 24 is that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like realistically the first half of season one did we really need jack's wife and daughter being kidnapped and in a compound with gains did that really achieve a whole lot well i mean yes well, it, it led the story it gave on us but janet it, it well exactly ben come on <laughs> boo ben but yeah like i mean you know i guess the argument is with every season and plot's got a plot i get it but um i think the difference is is that you know we obviously thoroughly enjoyed how all that played out with the mexico stuff and everything so you know um, again, it's it just where it shows that the writers clearly never structured a season from point A to point B, you know, mm. so that that's where you can really see that. Um, I just want to say with Paul Blackson, I'm just looking here at his social media. Actually got a bit of a following on social media. I didn't know he was that big of a deal, but um, quarter of a million followers on Twitter, followed by Leslie Hope on Twitter. <laughs> there you go. Good on you, Leslie, following your 24 family. Uh, and on Instagram, uh, it's got just over half a million followers so uh popular boy mr paul blackthorn and just looking here like he's he's happy he's out he's on the streets with his backpack he's, he's posing out. well not like that but i mean if he is good for him i don't know but i uh, picture with a dog and a picture with a rhino as well but like looking at some of his posting some pictures <laughs> pet, from like the rhino <laughs> <laughs> he's got a pet rhino pictures of like younger days 
I don't know if you might agree with this. Um, what do you think? Paul Blackthorne, James Bond. I could see it now that you mention it. Um, and he is British in real life, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Well, he could still be James Bond. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's a, he's about as old as Idris Elba, right? Everybody wants Idris Elba. Yeah, true. Just not black enough. So that's the only problem. He could be. <laughs> I mean, you could transition. I don't know if that, how that works. But, I mean, I, again, sort of jumping ahead, but like one thing I obviously love about the character of him is that, as you said, this connection to Jack. And I think it's this thing that is connected to season one and the season one storyline, which, again, like I love. Like I love how they tie this in. And, I, I, and you know, that's what I didn't like watching the show originally. And, and I think I'm already getting a little bit more turned around on that. But originally I didn't like the, what you're saying. Like, oh, okay, so this is going to tie into season one. But I think it's done in a way, that, and like maybe it's because I read the Nightfall comics, obviously, you know, in the lead up for this show. And like the way they incorporate that into the comics, maybe to spoil it a little bit, but like it's kind of it's interesting because like it works well and it's, it's not one of these, I feel it's not one of these like cheap storylines they can sometimes do in shows where it's like, Oh, like it's, it's not um, Blofeld controlled all of, you know, quantum the whole time conveniently mm-hmm. where it's like, this is just a little carrot they dangle and you go, Oh, okay. Yep. All right. That makes sense. And it's not something that they keep revisiting every season, if you know what I mean. So, uh, so we many agree ways. That the- the daughter is not exactly the best addition to this show. That, that uh, you know, I'll say it right now. That's my annoyance with this storyline because I think Good. he gets away <laughs> with everything here until the daughter comes into it. So, yeah, no, yeah. that's that's where he unfolds and that's what pisses me off because I think that, like, I always root for the villain in TV shows and movies and, like, he would have gotten away with all of this had it not been for his stupid fucking daughter. <laughs> I would have gotten um, away with it if it wasn't for your little girl. <laughs> the one thing is she's not blonde, though, so at least they went for a useless female character this season being brunette. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but then again, Kim but, plays but Kim her for an blonde. episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Kim puts the wig on at one point, so she kind of becomes Kim at one point. So, Put a wig on know. her. Um, one quickly thing, I'll give the C- so the CTU one, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll stick with Jack and CTU and everything, and then it kind of forks off into two separate yeah. storylines. So I'll kind of combine them. But one thing I've noticed, and I need to find the ad to send it to you, because you know when you're watching like YouTube or Instagram or something like that and you'll get an ad, um, and they're random ads, but they're targeted at you forever, they do the metrics. I don't know if this is just because it knows I follow 24 and like Kiva Sutherland, but you know Kiva Sutherland's doing like a crypto or a – some sort of <laughs> ad, like he's doing something. He's on some advertising campaign for some random product. And it's just like some guy sitting on his computer. Then Kevin Sutherland walks in and is like, well, that's because you should be going to like crypto.com. I don't know. I don't know if it's crypto. It's something. But like, I'm just like, what the fuck is Kevin doing advertising this crap? He's so much better than he's, that. So I need, I need to find. He's there to Kiefer. open the socket. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like whatever this new advertising campaign Kevin Sutherland's part of, like, because he's done like um, narration and things like that. He's got a very good voice. So like every yeah. now and then he'll do narrating like a random video or something like that. But um, yeah, I need to find this ad and see because it's, it's obviously an ad so i always skip ad until i'm like oh it's kefir i'll buy crypto i don't know what it is but um do you know what crypto is i don't understand it at all <laughs> i don't think anybody really understands it i don't get like why these people are like oh you can buy a toronto maple leafs online shoe it's rare so better <laughs> yeah. spend 50 dollars on it why do i want an online shoe like what does that achieve me <laughs> Like I do an for online radio all, show that no one listens to, so it, it's all it's all just stockpiling for the day in which we will eventually digitize ourselves. Yeah, we're going to be naked in like thirty years' time when everybody's on a computer. 
<laughs> it's like, well, you should have bought your Toronto Maple Leaf shoes 30 years ago, Ben. Now you've got no feet. Um, so, yeah, the CTU storyline, as I said, it kind of starts and then it forks off. So, um, yeah, they found Nina dead within two seconds. It's pretty quick. Like, the beginning of this episode, two minutes, Nina's dead. It's like, dude, this happened like two minutes ago. Why isn't like a team surrounding this room and checking a pulse and all of this kind of stuff? Um, I do love like the 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 Tony Michelle sort of uh, you know animosity that's going on here. And then you got Chappelle. Chappelle, he's the just turning more and more into a doormat every single episode. Like he is just an absolute doormat because he comes in. Girl, Jack, you killed Nina. I had to. She had a gun. Okay, then. <laughs> and then five minutes later, I've just watched the footage of this, Jack. You're obscuring the camera. I had to do it. No, no, I can't stand for this division. Oh, no, I can't send you back out on the job. And in walks freaking um, James Badgedale. No. And it's like, you're out of line, James Badgedale. And then Jack Bell's like, oh, let me talk to Ryan by himself. Ryan, I guarantee you I'll do my job if you just let me do it. Okay, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> he takes two seconds and he just says yes, which also I know I've like skipped a whole bunch of stuff there, but like it literally makes no sense because the issue here isn't Jack doing his job or not doing his job. It is the fact that you have literally killed an unarmed uh, prisoner, which you have blocked a camera of obscuring. Like again, no lawyer, but that's going to fail in court. Like you're going to, you're going to have some trouble there, Jackie boy. To which Chappelle's are like, oh no, like division. And then Jack's like, I can still my, do my job. And, like, Chappelle also, the whole drug storyline is just literally whisked under the rug. I was going to get you out of your drug charges, but now this won't stand, Jack Bauer. <laughs> it's like, again, this guy is a fugitive in the United States for breaking out like a federal prisoner in a prison riot. Innocent people died. He fled the country across the border, lied to the president about this, basically willingly said, oh, lol, Mr. President, I'm just going to die on this thanks for your duty. Then waltzes back into the country and he's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm 100% I love Chappelle. Jack. I love Jack. But, like, seriously, Chappelle is so inept at his job and he's such a doormat because literally everybody's like, girl, you can't do this. Yes, we can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is a stormtrooper in a new hope. You don't yeah. need to see. <laughs> like, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Move along. Move along. <laughs> like, that's literally who he is. Um, Jack has a little moment here with Kim. Uh, so does um, Chase has a little moment here with Kim. Um, everyone's having a moment with Kim. <laughs> Rip Nina, she has a jacket put over the top. I mean, again, like, we've talked about Tony. Like, why isn't there more of a reaction? This is a woman who served CTU well and then all of a sudden, like, it became a massive traitor of the country. Oh, she's dead. Back to the virus. <laughs> I, but I kind of like that because in their line of work, they would have to just be like, all right, Nina's dead. Let's move on, you know? Which, I mean, we've established this so many times. This is just the 24 way of life. It's just like, oh, 747 just got blown up over the Mojave Desert. Move along. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, a nuclear bomb just went off in America. Ah, let's, we'll find this recording. Move along. Like, yeah. God, I, I want the psyche of 24 characters. You just get all, something bad happens to you. Move along. Tony gets <laughs> shot in the neck. Uh, Chasing the hand. Chasing the hand. Uh, everyone's getting, what's his face going to get cut in the hand this week, but it's all good. Um, Chloe kidnaps a baby. <laughs> well, exactly. The baby just, you know, who's looking out for the baby this week? Kim's working. Chloe's <laughs> in the way. the baby. And they, they sent child services away, remember? <laughs> we don't need you anymore. You can go home. They just give it a bowl of water and a couple of doggy treats. It's all good. It's in the it's in the filing cabinet. There you go, little baby. You freaking bickies. You'll be good. 
That's what Dennis is baby? doing. <laughs> Dennis's job. Milo came here. Yes, Dennis. <laughs> Dennis, I need you to call up uh, NHS. I'm looking after the baby. All oh, right, okay, sorry. We'll get Milo onto it. He didn't come in at 5 a.m. to format files, but he did come in at 5 a.m. to look after a baby. <laughs> We've got the board meeting, which is, again, just makes completely this whole Nina storyline redundant. But Nina was our only lead. Well, if you just search a little bit harder on those computers, maybe we'll find it. Okay. (laughs) That's literally (laughs) what they say. And they have a meeting for two minutes. They're like, right, Nina Myers is dead. What? Yes. Search harder and we'll find the virus. Okay. And they all leave. What happens? It's hilarious. <laughs> Chloe like is doing nothing at the moment, so you know, sure. Um, and oh, lucky break! Like twenty four is a show of lucky breaks. I just want one season to be like you know, Jack always loses his lead or something like that, and then literally two seconds later something good happens. Because in this episode, oh fuck, Nina's dead. Oh, we don't know where Amadon's gone. Oh, what's this? He just made a transfer. Oh, good, he's just down the road. Oh, sweet. Like, oh, what do you know? Aren't we lucky? <laughs> If only this happened four hours ago, Nina might still be alive and in jail. Oh, lol. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's, we the bank transfer that we talked about, the $10 million, just happens to be flagged by um, Adam. Like, oh, I found it. Oh, we're so lucky. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, they're in the valley. They're at the, the nightclub, hookers and hoes or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. So Jack and Jack and Chase again. Let's just forget the whole Jack doesn't want Chase on the job anymore because he's fucking his daughter storyline. That's forgotten about Jack's all cool. Just with take him now. with you. Let's forget about the fact that Jack like pointed a gun at this guy's head and nearly killed him. I know that was going to talked about over the last couple of weeks and they saw their issues, but again, twenty four, move on, shit happens. Um, and he knows now that he is the only parent to a small child. Like, if yeah. anything, that should be a reason for it. no Chase stay here. It's one of my favorite memes. I think I've shared it with you before. Is that one of like um, Simba from The Lion King? And it's like, oh, my dad died and I my un- uncle killed him and I got chased out of the kingdom. I've lost everything. And you got a picture of Timon and Pumbaa. And it's like, yeah, but if you tried to stop fucking worrying about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the plot of The Lion King. So like, that's 24. <laughs> it's just like, ah, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> Get in the car. We'll be good. She'll be right, mate. Off you pop. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so Jack, Jack and Chase are off to hawkers and hoes, whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> don't know what it's called. Um, Dennis is hawkers and hoes. Um, and uh, meanwhile, uh, they discover, so Jack, um, they capture Amador, which actually, before we get to Amador, we are introduced to the most inept agent in 24 history. Uh, is it Lieutenant Wong? Is that his name? Um, is it, it is Lieutenant Wong. That wasn't me being racist. His name is Lieutenant Wong. Um, this guy who's just like, yes, I'm in the, I'm in hookers and hoes. I will find them. And he's like literally walking around, sticking his head, going, hmm, is there anything in here? Touching his ear? No, there's nothing in here. Let me check the other room. Pulls out the curtains. No, just some drug dealers playing cards. All right, what's in the next room? Oh, there's a guy with a gun. And then all of a sudden, he gets a gun put to the back of his head. He's so. Freaking obvious. Like, yeah. it's what's his it's what's his face in um Casino Royale. Stop touching your ear. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, like he's no wonder this guy gets kidnapped. I'm sorry, this guy deserves to die. Rip Lieutenant Wong, but you deserve to die. Um <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack and Chase raid the building. Uh Amador's captured. 
They torture him for about five minutes by cutting his hand and he collapses. And I love it when he's like on the phone to Tony, like, Tony, he's a little bitch. He's scared of someone. He won't give up any information. He's literally standing in this room, staring at a wall, to which then he's at Agent Baker. Uh, He's basically like, Jack, we found an incubator. Jack literally walks a meter and it's right in front of him. He was staring at this incubator the whole time, to which Agent Baker's just basically like, Oh, that's not that's not Baker. That's Daniel Day Kim, isn't it? Uh, agent, whoever this agent is. Um, but I just I love the fact that it's literally right in front of him, and Jack's like, "Oh, there it is." Um, and then they find on the computer uh, that they've got a schematic for the Chandler Plaza Hotel. It's only been accessed like five minutes ago. So Jack is going to stay there and interrogate Amador, and this is then going to send another team off to the Channel Plaza Hotel. And wouldn't you know it, who's the only one available who's got practical experience in the DC anthrax outbreak, outbreak and has more hours in disaster control situations than anybody else? It's Dennis. Oh, no, it's not. It's Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and Gael, who's been missing for the last three weeks, just happens to be available again. I wonder what's going to happen to him. So they're off to the Chandler Plaza Hotel. Uh, maybe I'll cap that there. Because, I mean, really from here, Jack's just interrogating uh, Amador and Chase. And, well, he's not interrogating Chase, but there's not a whole lot more of Jack stuff here, really. He's just got Amador where he wants him. Is this where, is this the episode? Does he have the phone call with Chappelle to take him back in? Or is that nothing? That's next week, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because, again, kind of agree. Like, as with everything in 24, it's two minutes down the road. So you can just bring him back, get Chopper yeah. command, he'll be there. So there's no reason to keep him here. Like, bring him back. I get the plan next week will make sense when you hear this, but, like, yeah, but um, yeah, uh, maybe all the Jack stuff here, and then I'll keep the Michelle Doug Savant, the the, the star of this episode, to the end. <laughs> uh, first, just on the Nina death, uh, what I what I like, and I I get what the line is actually meant to be saying, but the first thing that this question is, uh, oh, Nina's dead. Was it justified? It's like this is Nina Meyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now this thing was, was it justified? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, innocent to a perfect guilty. I'm sorry. Uh, but obviously what they're going for is, hey, did she reach for a gun, you know, uh, or was it cold-blooded murder? Uh, it's it's just, like you said, Chappelle just wipes it away so easily. But at least I like that Chappelle is questioning him. It's like, yeah. so convenient, Jack, that you're blocking her hand. Yeah, she was reaching for a gun. Oh, you mean with the hand that is obscured by your body <laughs> randomly stepping in front of the camera? Um, it, 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 this could have been a bigger part. Now, now, jumping ahead to the Michelle thing, Michelle's the only one who can go. The reason at first I, I kind of had the same thought. I'm like, oh, of course, it's got to be Michelle, the only person. But then I'm like, so who else could they send? Could they send Jack, who's been shooting up, um, doing secret operations, lying to the president, stealing choppers, breaking people out of prison? Could it be Chase, who's breaking orders, going to Mexico, getting shot in the hand, getting gasoline poured on it? <laughs> Could it be Kim, who's been watching a baby, who is still semi-involved Dennis. in the questionable, questionable shooting of Nina Myers? Could it be, um, uh, who else we got? Adam, I guess Adam's clean. Yeah, Dennis is clean. Um, it's not going to be Gael. Gael was involved in that operation, too. Really, the only people this could be would be Michelle, Dennis, and Adam. They're the only clean ones in this office. Well, to- Tony, I think he wants to go, but this is where Chappelle is like, no, you are the head of CPU. I need neck. you. Yeah, you got shot in the neck, Tony. Did I? 
Oh, I did too. <laughs> That's what that pinch is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but but what I, one thing I do like is they throw in the thing about the, the DC anthrax. So it's like we're tying real world stuff in, which we don't really get a lot of that in 24. A real mm. world incident. It's like, well, Michelle was involved in that. She she was involved. She was the one who released the anthrax. <laughs> Michelle Bin Laden. Yeah, she was stuffing the envelope. Licking envelopes. The oh, yeah. I know. Dear President Bush, you suck. <laughs> But but yeah, I, I, it kind of does make sense. Like, who else would they have at this point? Like, this is. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase "the inmates running the asylum"? Uh, I think I have. Yes. Yeah. To me, this season of Twenty Four is very much the inmates running the asylum. <laughs> like, I feel for Chappelle. Chappelle comes in here, and I imagine, like, let's say during the the you know shutdown during the pandemic when people are working at home. Like, I was originally still working at the office, uh, but let's just say when I was originally one of you know a handful of people working at the office during the pandemic. If like two, three months later, my boss comes in and he sees that we're all running around in our underwear and there's a stripper pole in the middle of the reception area. Come your and- office sounds fun. <laughs> our warehouse has crates of heroin that are being wow. shipped out and all that stuff. Have you had those <laughs> magic pills Jack had? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the vending machine stocked with the magic pills. Uh, <laughs> take care <of> heroin. <laughs> then I guess my boss is going to be like, listen, I'm not happy with a few things here. You know, that's the way I think Chappelle is. <laughs> that was my invite. In. You know, like Chappelle has come in, like he hasn't been here in, I don't know, it's been a month since his last visit. And you got guys on heroin, you got babies in drawers, you've got uh, uh, people kidnapping um, uh, the, the prisoners and breaking them out of prison. You got uh, Dennis wandering around doing God knows what. <laughs> this is yeah, the inmate for this. Put it back in your pants. Yeah. Dennis is the one with the stripper pole. <laughs> is Dirty Dennis. <laughs> Dirty Dennis here. Uh, yeah, I, I feel so much for Chappelle. Like, you really, really talk it out and you you, you boil it down. Like, this office is a complete mess. And who's the one who's going to get the bullet from this in a couple of weeks' exactly. time? Chappelle. Literally, literally yeah. <laughs> like, and, and so when you get Chappelle, be like, Jack. You've been on heroin. You broke a man out of prison. You did all these unauthorized missions. And now you just happen to shoot the woman who killed your wife, blocking a camera. I can't just let you not get questions. Because all he's arguing is that we're going to question you, Jack. We're going to interrogate you. We're going to make sure we have a report. And this is also the guy that in the last episode, when they were questioning about the heroin, said, so you were on heroin beforehand? Okay, the report is going to say it was after the Salazars, right? No, after the Salazars. Chappelle's doing everything in his power to make sure that people can still do their job and he just can't catch a break. I feel so bad for this guy. Well, in a way, I agree with you completely, but at the same time, hire more staff. Like, if Jack's your <laughs> only person who's available, where is Daniel Day, Kim? Is he day off? Well, yeah. get him in! He's exactly. busy! <laughs> like, yeah, it's, his, you know? it's his year off. We're not going to see him again for a while. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I want to point this out every season moving forward. Where's Chase? Like, I mean, yeah. you know... I, I, I want them to be. I want Chappelle to be calling up Sherry Palmer. I hear that you're really good at fixing problems. <laughs> I need somebody to come in and get control of my office. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. No, no wonder Curtis is going to come in. Is he Curtis next season or does he come in season Curtis five? I think is, we get Curtis next he season. Is next season, yeah. Oh, Curtis. I, and oh. he knows he knows how to whip that place into shape. That's a man right there. I always yeah. forget about Curtis and I always think like he's like the forgettable cool character that everybody loves. Yeah, exactly. Curtis. Oh, Curtis. Oh, don't talk to me about his death scene. Um, but I'll oh, spoiler alert. Um, but <laughs> anything else out on Jack and Amador and the Not until we get to the hotel, no. 
Okay, you're going to save all of that for then, or? Okay. Uh, right, well, I mean, with well, with Amador, I mean, I kind of touched on it earlier, like them throwing in what they throw in later on. I, I still wasn't crazy about that when it happened, but uh, seeing like the the villain layer, like of course it's got to be a strip club, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's one of these things like you could have had them meeting in a warehouse in a basement or something like that, but no, we're going to make them ultra evil. They're going to be in a strip club at four a.m. Like, this is my thing. If I'm – the day I turn evil, like, it's so cliche, <laughs> meeting a strip club, whatever. I'm going to meet in a Denny's. Like, I mean, no one's going to suspect you in a Denny's. <laughs> like, I mean, they're definitely in a strip club. Go. They're like, rear, rear, rear. Like, ah, suckers. I'll have some more pancakes. Thanks, Flo. Put me, give me more coffee all the way up. Now, let's plot revenge on the Plain USA. milk's fine, Flo. <laughs> How about a couple of glasses of the old traditional flavor eggnog? I don't want eggnog. Shut up, Charlie. You drink your fucking eggnog what you're giving. Are you with the Hasatashi? Uh, burning the turkey. Ooh. Oh, the Santa Claus. Oh, they should have just stopped at one. Um, But so I love Gael and Michelle in their little car here. And then Tony and Michelle have a little quarrel over the phone. Oh, what are you going to the hotel for? Is that it? Yes, it is. Grr, bye. And guy's like, everything okay? Oh, just stuff between Tony and I. Like, it's just this force, like... Because, I mean, why are they at each other's throats? Because he got shot in the neck. She tried to, like, pull him up because he wasn't doing his job, which he kind of wasn't. He called her out, which he was kind of right for. So, like, I guess they're both at each other's throats no pun intended, it's because Tony got shot in the neck. But, like, the thing I do (laughs) like about this is that I like how kind of, like, the first half of the season is all Michelle worried about Tony and then the second half is all Tony worried about Michelle. Like, I kind of like the parallels of that. That's kind of cool. But, anyway, they're off fighting with each other because they're going to show up to the hotel and, uh, of course, they're finding out this could be a potential attack and they've got to get head of security from the Chandler Plaza Hotel. And who is head of security at the Chandler Plaza Hotel? It's a beautiful man. It's Tom Scarvo, <laughs> Mr. Felicity Huffman. No, it is not William, William H. H. Macy. Macy. It is a beautiful Doug Savant, Godzilla's Doug Savant. Remember we talked about him <laughs> in that. Um, best known for either being Tom Scarbo and Desperate Housewives, or I'm sure you know him as Matt Fielding from Melrose Place, because let's be honest, he's done nothing since either shows. Um, he was in two episodes of 911, so good for him. Uh, but can I just, can we just take a moment to tick off the, uh, Desperate Housewives husband bingo? <laughs> We've now had all four of our main women's husbands in 24, so that's a good thing. But, um, I like Doug Savant. He was always maybe my favourite out of the four Husbands on Desperate oh, Housewives. Mine too. <laughs> yeah, I always liked uh, Lynette, um, Felicity Hoffman, before she was, like, faking kids getting into school. But um, do you like Doug Savant? This guy's a man. Come on. He's a beautiful I, man. I'm going to be honest. I, I know him best from his handful of episodes of 24. Uh, <laughs> I know of Desperate Housewives. I know of Melrose Place. I've never seen either of those shows. You've seen uh, Godzilla? I've seen Godzilla, yeah. So, so my familiarity with him would be as the sergeant in Godzilla. Uh, One thing that's interesting here, if you look through his filmography, he also played trespasser number two in Godzilla, the series, the animated show. So he, he got a demotion from sergeant to trespasser. uh, Once he turned animated, Uh, everything else he has here is just like, he did an episode of firefly. Uh, He did an episode (laughs) of according to Jim. (laughs) 
According to Jim, like, how did that not spawn his own spinoff? I, I just don't get, like, again, this could be a case He's of still maybe done he, nothing. he just doesn't want to. Maybe he was like, yeah, Desperate Housewives is enough. I've got my Desperate Housewives money. I can just go live in the Hollywood Hills and every now and then appear in a show. But, like, literally since Desperate Housewives, he was in one episode of Vegas, one episode of Rizzoli and Isles. Remember that show? One episode of Drop Dead Diva. Criminal Minds. He was in a movie called April Rain. One episode of Hawaii Five-0. One episode of Scorpion. Like, he's literally one episode of every show he's been in, except for Notorious. He was whatever that is. Two episodes of that. Two episodes of 911. Two episodes of NCIS New Orleans. Two episodes of NCIS Normal, where he played two different characters. So he's three different characters in the NCIS universe. Okay. An episode of SWAT. Two episodes of Dirty John. An episode of LA's oh. Finest, two episodes you of know, Tell Me Your Secrets, and he's just appeared alongside Nathan Fillion in The Rookie. One episode where he played Benjamin. He doesn't even have a last name anymore in his characters. <laughs> he plays Benjamin. Well, Doug's but event. it's not. TV's Doug's event doesn't even get a last name anymore. This is travesty. It's, it's not Trespasser number two, though. But have you ever seen Dirty John? Or do you know I've never of heard it? of Dirty John. Never heard of it. It's it's uh it's based on a true story. One of the craziest true crime stories of all time. Um, the, Eric Bana and Connie Britton and, and Doug oh, Savant oh, apparently, but also stuff. Gene, Gene Smart's in the show. Yeah, and Gene Smart's oh, in the Amanda show too. Oh, Amanda Pete's so. in it. Fuck off! I'm not watching that shit. Well, that's that's season <laughs> that's season two, uh, which is a completely different story, which I've never bothered to watch. But yeah, season one, Dirty John amazing show so i'll have to Gene go Smart. back and pinpoint who he was there yeah. 24 alum in that one um so i mean connie Britton and eric banner and christian slater sign me up Man oh, christian slater christian slater is also season two which i've never watched but also yeah, season just, one. Uh, christian slater hasn't been mentioned since 1996 so um good to <laughs> good to hear bring him what happened to christian slater uh but anyway doug savant love him um desperate housewife you got you would like desperate i'm telling you now you, you tell you me now. that yeah I I'm just, I'm just one of these days I'll give it a give it a whirl. There's just something about it. I think you need to give it a chance and don't just automatically dismiss it. But anyway, so he's the head of security. TV's Ducks, the rookies, Doug Savant <laughs> is um, <laughs> back. Trespasser number two. <laughs> so and this was I should mention, this is before Desperate Housewives. So I think this might even be his last That's... wrong. He was in Nip Tuck. Of course he was. I remember him in Nip Tuck as well. So he was in um, one episode of Nip Tuck in 2004, one episode of CSI 2004, uh, a TV movie, All You've Got, then a TV movie called Playing for Keeps. And then basically from then on, he was in Desperate Housewives. So busy year, 2004 for Doug Savant. Um, in three shows that Ben Waterworth loves, and that's not hot in Cleveland. Um, <laughs> that was who was the the women in that? Who was the main one in that? Was that Betty um, White? Was it? Yeah, no. Who was the other, the younger one? No offense to Betty White, rest in De- peace. Deborah Messing. I don't know. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Deborah, it wasn't. Um, Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown's not young. Um, what's her name? <laughs> All I know about that show is Betty White. I don't know. I've never watched it. Oh, uh, it's annoying me now. I uh, see. That's her face right there. Um, that's her face. Uh, Wendy Malick. You'd know her if you Googled her. Um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about. Oh, Alan Dale's in it for nine episodes. Craig Ferguson. Oh, that's good cast. Let's, let's watch Hot in Cleveland. Alan yeah. Dale. <laughs> Forget it, season four. We're we're gonna we're gonna stop at season three and we're gonna go on to Hot in Cleveland. Doug Savant is uh, in security. We're not getting past that. Uh, so he's all like, yes, oh, absolutely. I can look after my hotel. I'm head of security. Do-do-do-do-do. He's loving life. He's got a busy night ahead of him, it seems. Um, meanwhile, while he's there on the phone to CTU, Alvis is sneaking in. 
Um, he's, you know, going to put this vial in there and he dresses up as a meat mess. I do love Doug Savan here. He's basically like, hmm, that guy looks suspicious. Jenkins, follow that man. Um, <laughs> sir, you're the head of security. No, you follow him, yeah. Jenkins. I've got important stuff to do. I've got to call Felicity Huffman to see if dinner's ready when I get home. Um, so Michelle and the gang arrive and they're outside the hotel because they can't get in until the NHS shows up because uh, Dennis hasn't called them yet. Um, if people don't know who we're talking about, there's just like a brief little scene where Tony's like, call the hotel and Dennis, here's a file, call NHS. And he's like, yes, Tony. I've literally looked up, I cannot find Dennis on IMDb or CTU24 uh, wiki. So poor old Dennis is an anomaly in, in CTU land. Um, so Michelle and the gang show up and of course they're not going to go inside at all because it's safe outside until the NHS shows up. But uh, all of a sudden they get uh, a lead that uh, Alves is inside, which, like, i got to say, Michelle and the gang are a bit inept here because, again, don't go inside. It doesn't achieve anything. Like, you're just going to make this situation worse. And then when they get inside and they find Alves, like, it's just, it's it's dumb because Michelle's all like, grr, Alves, bash, 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 where is it? And he's like, oh, it's in, it's, they've got up their ventilation shaft. It's in the ventilation <laughs> shaft. <laughs> Obi-Wan and Clyde got it there. Um, to which, again, Dick Michelle. So you've got Dick Doug Savant, who's basically like, Jenkins, go get it. I'm busy. To which Michelle is all like, Gael, go check out the ventilation shaft. I'm busy. <laughs> to which, again, the stupidity that, again, renders this point, this cliffhanger sort of useless at the beginning of next week's episode, spoiler alert, after this vial goes off, Gael's like, how do I turn off the ventilation shaft? Oh, it's just at the panel over there. Press a couple of buttons. Why was it yeah. the first thing he did? He, like, should have showed up to this ventilation shaft and gone, shit, the time is going off. I don't think I can reach it. How do I turn off the ventilation shaft? Oh, the box next to you. Okay. And then that way, <laughs> the vial goes off in front of him and doesn't go across in the entire building. So, like, stupidity. But, um, yeah, I've... I've it's a, it's a it's a tense ending in the fact that he's got to put his hand underneath this like giant fan thing, which again makes no sense when the vial goes off and he literally jerks his hand off. His hand should be chopped off, but uh, he jerks what off? What? <laughs> he jerks what? the fan off. He's got a lot of fans, Gael. Gael and the vial. Only, Gael and the vial. Only fans. He does. We should have asked uh, Jesse that when we had him on the show. Um, and yet yeah, the vial's gone off. He's been exposed. He's got COVID-19 or monkeypox, whatever the hot one is this week. And dit, 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 dit. so 15 hours in, the virus has finally been released. Um, I mean, look, it's a it's a well-shot scene. I do kind of like how, you know, as I said, he's got to put his hand under this fan and it's tense and Jesse does a good job here with the acting and wipes his eyes and, oh, no, he's got the virus. Oh, plot twist. Hopefully TV's Doug Savant doesn't get it. He's got to appear in The Rookie soon. But, um... Yeah, like, I mean, it's just, it's exciting, It's but it's just, they're inept. CTU are very inept here going into yeah. this building. Um, but, well, yeah, it, it's solid. Like, I, uh, it, it definitely plays out like there was no need for this, and that's going to become a thing going forward. You didn't need to go in the building. Why did you go in the building? Um, it's one of these things where it's like, hey, if they had stopped it, then you would have been heroes, you know, but, like, it all comes down to shut off the ventilation shaft, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, with the fire alarm. I think that's going to be next week, right? Where they talk about mm -hmm. how complicated it is to turn off the fire alarm. Um, 
even evacuating this hotel, like I, I, I didn't make a note of it, but do they give a reason why they didn't just evacuate the hotel? Because they don't know if it's been released yet, which again is stupid because literally when he finds a vial, that's straight away where they go like evacuate right now. Like that's what they should be doing. But, so their, their fear is it's already been released, which, you know. But like if it's been released, I mean, you could evacuate the hotel and just put them all directly into quarantine. Like we know the hazmat crew's already there. Like there's things that they could have done. Uh, but still, I, I, it's a suspenseful scene. It is kind of a weird cliffhanger, though. Like the way that it gets released, and Guile's just sitting there, like, oh, 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 it's everywhere. And then it just sort of ends. Like he just sort of looks very foolish. <laughs> and it's not one of these things where it's like it's released, and he's like, <gasps> you're like, the, we also know that this thing's going to be much quicker acting than they originally thought. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just it's something about the cliffhanger, like. For story-wise, like, that's fantastic. But the other problem being that we've already had this tease already. We've ended an episode with the virus is out, the virus is out. And that ended up being a tease. So I think because of that, this, you don't you don't take it as seriously as you should. It doesn't play out as being as dramatic of a moment because we've been there, we've done that. You teased us the first time around. Well, this time, have a chainsaw this time. So, you yeah, know well, that, you so it's going to be even worse because if they had a chainsaw, <laughs> if Dial came here with a chainsaw <laughs> and saw Alvarez and had, if, yeah, then that would have made it a little bit better. Jack, um, remember when Jack broke into that house with a chainsaw? <laughs> Moment of the season. I want to put that up for top five. I'm not joking. He literally just like, ah, I'm going to change something. <laughs> but uh, oh, one thing I so do good. want to comment on, like when Tony keeps telling um, Michelle, you know, you don't have to go or whatever, and she ends up going, like this is basically going to start the Tony and Michelle arc of really the rest of the series with them. Mm. Like this is kind of the last moment before everything sort of starts to go wrong. And uh, it, it seems almost silly, like, oh, you don't have to go, Michelle. And she's like, I'm the best person to go. But knowing where this is going to lead to, it's almost more of a sad, sadder scene. Like, and I, I don't think I quite thought about that even while I was watching. It was more a thing afterwards. I'm like, hey, you know, that scene, like, we know how bad things are going to get from this point on. Like, that last interaction they have of you don't have to go, like, it's almost like a let's bid farewell here. Uh, they're obviously going to have a lot more, you know, interactions going forward and everything, but it's it's the beginning of the end. It's, <laughs> and they don't, they just kind of, like, let it go. And I, I kind of like that they just sort of let it go. Like, oh, it's just, you know, you don't have to go, Michelle, but I want to go. Okay, fine, you know. But uh, now it's very somber in retrospect. Because, yeah, next season... Isn't Tony missing for, like, Michelle and Tony aren't in it for about half of it, are they, from memory? And I think they both come in, like, in the second half. from because yeah. yeah. Well, Michelle, Tony comes Michelle, in, like, around episode seven or eight. And Michelle comes in as, like, the replacement for Alberta, doesn't – not Alberta, the um, the other one who gets kicked out early, the actress who's sadly dead now. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah. Her name is Alberta, yeah. Like, the actress. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so um, – yeah, I mean, I maybe I like the plot, the cliffhanger a little bit more, but I can see what you're saying really with it. But um, yeah, I don't really have any trivia for this episode. The book, the book has this thing about Aaron and Glenn Morshower, where it's like he's not even in the episode, so okay. Uh, <laughs> so they've just been waiting for an episode with not much happening to kind of do that. The only uh, notes that Twenty Four Wiki has is. It's interesting that Amador complains about getting cheated out of $10 million after making $240 million in Mexico from ripping off Nina. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Like, that's trivia? <laughs> yep, that, that's it. Um, so, yeah, uh, outside of that, I've got Doug Savant's page open. Um, 
Uh, he's known for his career in television. He had regular roles in shows like <laughs> Nora's Place and Desperate Housewives. And guest Thank spots on CSI, Firefly. <laughs> he was in. He was apparently in Teen Wolf. Um, so <laughs> he, he played the wolf. <laughs> Have we ever discussed? So, I lo- so the thing I like about here on Twenty Four Wiki is when they've got like an actor, they put in brackets when they've appeared on other like TV shows or movies with twenty four actors. So they've got here uh, Godzilla, like Glenn Morshower. Uh, but did did we know? And I I remembered this recently. Do we know that Nancy Cartwright is in Twenty Four? Did you know that Bart what? Simpson is in Twenty Four? Yeah. And when I looked it up, I'm like, okay, I remember it when she's in it. Um, she's not in it until season six. So, you know, season six is bad when they cast Bart Simpson in season six. She plays the uh, Connie Britton's son, right? Because she's just playing <laughs> little boys. So. Exactly. She's in it for one episode in season six. <laughs> Connie Britton's season five, Colin. Come on, no, you're 24. Oh. Um, but, uh, yeah, look forward to uh, Bart Simpson appearing in a couple of seasons. Uh, anything else to add? Nah. 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 Buy it, rent nah. it, bin it. I'm renting it. Um, I also am renting it. Um, and, uh, I, do you want me to rank it? You want to rank it first? You rank it first, Colin, go ahead. It's, uh, closer to the top of my rents. Uh, I guess within the top tier, I've got it number 36. 36. Um, I've got it. Yeah. Near the top of my rents. I, I will say spoiler alert. I've already ranked next week's episode and spoiler alert next week is above this. So, uh, I've ranked this at, 37th technically that would be 36th right now uh if we're not including next week's episode but uh yeah 37th overall after including next week's which is just above the second ever episode season one episode two and just below uh just after the halfway point in season one episode 13 of season one uh next week i uh have already watched it i know you have too because we are literally about to record these back to back i am hoping you've watched it uh but i will read a tease for next week according to 24 wiki marcus alvis succeeds in releasing the cordilla virus in the chandler plaza hotel well we already know that michelle dessa and other ctu agents on site work to keep the situation under control agent guy ortega becomes okay we don't want to ruin that ruins it pretty quickly um president david palmer finds out the truth about sherry's involvement uh, and Jack Bauer and Chase Edmonds follow Michael Amador in hopes of finding out who is behind the day's attacks. So uh, I'm saying this now. I love next week's episode. I think next week's episode is fantastic. Uh, might be yeah. in my top few of this season. Spoiler alert. Uh, and I will say that right now that next week the cliffhanger might be my favorite cliffhanger of this season because it gives me my Saunders. Uh, so yeah, I love next week and it's got a potential top five moment. I don't think we'll make the top five moment, but it's a shocking moment and it features michelle which is nice uh that's funny because one of my notes for next week is probably won't make the final top five but maybe an honorable mention for a top five moment so um whether or not we'll agree we'll find out uh yes it's a very good episode it it is better than this one and uh (laughs) it is more Doug Savant, I guess. <laughs> Yay! TV's Doug Savant. He's only in four episodes this season, so make the most of Doug Savant. Um, good for him. Uh, oh, get him on the show. I don't think when we reached out to everyone, I don't think we reached out to him. Because I think oh, I only reached out to we like. Well, I think I only reached out to like characters that had been in like 10 episodes or more. So, I mean, like, again, he's not doing much. Like, I mean. <laughs> He might, he might be like anti-Desperate Housewives. He probably gets all these Desperate Housewives podcasts and is like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. So, oh, 24 and Nip Tuck. I'm on board. Uh, so I think from memory on Nip Tuck, he had like frostbite on his face. Like he had uh, gone up Mount Everest or something and nearly died and he had to get like a skin graft on his face. 
So I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, I thought you were talking about Desperate Housewives. I don't need no. you said Nip Tuck, but I'm like, wow, Desperate Housewives has like people climbing Mount Everest. Yeah, it's a very intense shot. <laughs> Terry Hatch is a wild woman. And Marsha Cross should have seen her land on the moon. Um, she, she was she was right up there. Uh, tune in next week. That'll be there. Uh, buy that thing that Kiva Sutherland's selling, uh, the crypto or whatever it is, and um, say hi to Dennis for us because I'm sure he's doing well at CTU, still playing away. The, CT, the 24 reboot will just be Dennis, Dennis Bauer. Um, but until then, we already used all our quotes, didn't we? Uh, my name is Ben, and oh, they'll crucify me if I let you back out in the field. And my name is Dennis. Thank you for the file. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)